0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor Well, thank you, and
1: welcome to the show You know, of late I've been receiving some great emails With suggestions for new, old shows to add to our roster Here on Theater of the Mind and once again, I'd like to thank Cynthia Reed for a note that basically said, Hey, Frank, check out this one, the Damon Runyon Theater. Well, I did, and I like what I heard. So that's where we begin with tonight's entertainment. First, a little bit about Damon Runyon. Now, he was an American newspaper man and short story writer. He was best known for his short stories celebrating the world of Broadway in New York City that grew out of the Prohibition era. Two New Yorkers of his generation, a Damon Runyon character, evoked a distinctive social type from the Brooklyn or Midtown area. And he spun humorous and sentimental tales of gamblers, hustlers, actors, and gangsters using colorful monikers like Nathan Detroit, Benny South Street, Big Julie, Harry the Horse. <laughs> Those names sound familiar? Well, they should. They come from the musical Guys and Dolls It was based on two of his stories— His distinctive vernacular style is known as Runyonese, kind of a mixture of formal speech and colorful slang, almost always in present tense and always devoid of contractions. The Damon Runyon Theater radio series dramatized 52 of his short stories in weekly broadcasts, running from October of 1948 to September of 1949. And let's go to John Brown playing the character Broadway and a whole bunch of other great voices that are used. Uh, Gerald Moore, Sheldon Leonard, one of my favorites, and William Conrad, to mention just a few. Okay, here we go to Broadway in the episode entitled Bloodhounds of Broadway. The Damon
2: Runyon Theater. Once again, the Damon Runyon Theater brings you another story by the master storyteller, Damon Runyon. And this one, The Bloodhounds of Broadway. And to tell it to you, here is Broadway.
3: Thanks. You know, at four in the morning along the main stem, one is apt to see many peculiar things. For example, it is about that time I am standing in front of Mindy's with Regret the Horse Player. We are talking of things, mostly nothing, when we hear something happening at the curb.
4: Is just a nightcap? I said no. It's early. It's only four.
5: It is too late as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Clay. Good night.
4: Now, oh, wait a minute, baby.
5: I said good night. I guess she says good night, Broadway. She does it with a great deal of gusto. I do not blame her in the least. <laughs> Regret? Who is the citizen she does not wish any more part of? Him? That is Marvin Clay. You know him. Oh, yeah. He has plenty of scratch. Yeah, from his father. Yeah, there is a guy like Marvin Clay who is loaded. Here is a guy like me who is the opposite.
3: Will you take his money if you have to be him? Oh,, yeah,
5: that is something I do not care to offer an opinion on right now. eh uh, but holy mackerel, Broadway, look at what is coming down this way from where I am
3: standing. It looks like a citizen leading two ponies. Broadway. Those things are dogs, dogs. I never see dogs that big. It must be glandular with them.
5: What do you suppose that strange-looking character is doing with dogs this hour of the morning?
3: Well, we get our answer to that in a couple of seconds. Also, what happens with the dogs and regret and Marvin Clay is more than somewhat interesting because it includes the gendarmes, a shooting, and something that is strange indeed. Which I will tell you about in a minute.
2: And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story The Bloodhounds of Broadway.
3: Like I am saying, Regret spots the dogs and the character who leads them with two long ropes. They get up to us, and Regret says as follows. Hi there. Me?
6: You talking to me? Uh-huh.
3: Oh. Hi. Well, one thing about being up this early in the morning, the conversation are not long and dull.
5: Solo. Hey, hey, uh, w- wait a minute. Me? Yeah, yeah, you. Uh, What are those dogs you have got there? Mine? Yeah, but well, what kind
3: are they? Bloodhounds. They have got ears like bedsheets. How old are they?
6: Coming on three. The yellow one's Nip and the brown
5: one's Tuck. Ah, three years old, huh? What's the matter with them?
3: Nothing. Why? Well, they are very wrinkled. Nip there especially. He looks like he has many things on his mind. Yep. <whistles> That's Tuck.
5: How are you, Tuck? Hey, why, uh, why does he make that noise, huh? He smells food.
6: He ain't eating two days. Well,
3: then get him away from my legs.
6: Nip's hungry, too.
5: Come to think of it, so am I. Uh, wait a minute. Wait. You mean these poor animals do not eat for two days? That's the size and passel of it, mister. I do not like to see animals suffer. What do they eat?
6: Taint particular. Long as it'll taste something like food.
3: Nip is looking at me. I, I do not like that.
6: Won't hurt you none, mister. Lesson you done something. They is man tracking bloodhounds. Follow a man from one end of earth to other.
3: How do you like that? Gendoms with fleas. Mm, uh, Tell you what, I do not
5: like to see animals suffer. You bring them in Mindy's and I will set them up to some
3: food. I'm hungry too. Okay. Come on. Wait a minute, Regret. You are not figuring to take them Shetland ponies in Mindy's.
4: Why not? Guess
3: it won't hurt them. Come on. Several sirloin steaks later, plus borscht, goulash, soup, and various other articles of food, John Wangle, it turns out this is the citizen's name, wipes his mouth on his sleeve and settles back. Nip and Tuck are full, too, and are now sleeping with their ears over their eyes. Wangle tells us how he happens to be in New York with man-tracking bloodhounds from Georgia.
6: Well, mister, I brung Nip and Tuck North with the old-time Uncle Tom's Cabin Show. Show went plumb bust. Me and the dogs did, too. First meal I had in two days. Why do you not go back to Georgia? Got no money.
3: Would you ever think of selling the dogs?
6: Sell nip and tuck? Not on your life, mister. They is the finest man-tracking
5: hounds in the country.
3: Is there very much of a market for that work?
5: Nope. Is there nobody you are able to write to? A, a relative? Well, yep.
6: Yeah, my, my uncle's a sheriff. Ah. But I can't write. Come to think of it, wouldn't do me no good to write him anyway. Why not? He can't read. I see.
3: Well, uh, what
6: do you plan to do, Mister Wangle? I don't know. Make out best I can, I reckon.
5: Yeah, I hate to see animals suffer. Tell you what, Mister Wangle, you drop by here now and then. I'll take care of the food.
6: That's right, nice of you, Mister. Maybe me and the dogs will be able to pay you back someday. That's Nip.
0: Dreaming oh. again.
6: Dreaming of tracking somebody down. Hi, Nip. <laughs> nice. Mister, if you ever need anybody tracked down, just call on me and Nip and talk. We'll find whoever you want, no matter where.
3: Uh-huh. Meantime, uh huh. Meantime, where do you live?
6: Well, uh, we've been staying at a public park north of here, but seeing as how Mr. Regret has taken an interest, I figure maybe moving in closer to town will be just about right.
3: So Regret, because he is very soft-hearted about animals, takes the bloodhounds under his wing. But it seems that now he has to take the grub out on the sidewalk because Mindy objects. Naturally, Nip and Tuck grow very fond of regret. So does John Wangle, because all three of them are beginning to fat up very nicely. In fact, in several days, the bloodhound's ribs become practically invisible, where before they stick out like bones on a well-picked parrot. Then, it comes up one night, and I am with regret in the 300 Club, where the scene is as follows. As...
5: <laughs> now I ask you, Broadway, this is the life, huh? It is all right. Wonderful music. Beautiful dolls.
3: Speaking of dolls, is that not Miss Lovey Lou sitting over there? Huh?
5: Yeah, yeah, it is. And soak me for a herring if she is not with Marvin Clay. Broadway, it finds me when I think of a very nice doll like Lovey Lou being with a heel like Marvin Clay.
3: Well, he is a very well-heeled heel. Uh... Miss Lovey Lou is not one to overlook fine points like that. I will thank you not to talk about Lovey in that manner. Oh, it seems like you take an interest in her.
5: I am interested, yes. I am interested. What is happening over there?
3: It seems to me that Marvin Clay wants to dance without getting up.
5: Why, dirty? I'm going to put a stop. It is none of your business, Regret. I'll make it mine. Do not be a sap. I'm going to smash his ever-loving face into pieces. Come on.
3: Regret, do not bother yourself. It is no bother. It is more like a play. You will be bounced out of here.
7: Please, behave yourself. Right now, Take your hands
5: off Miss Lovey Lou. Ah, wow, who the devil are you? Take your hands off her. That's what I keep telling him. I will give you a split second to unhand her. <laughs> Go away, you idiot. Mr. Clay, I am going to unhinge your
4: head from the rest of you. Are oh, you down? I'll have you thrown into jail so fast. You yeah. asked for it, Mr. Clay. Oh, oh. I'll get you
8: for this, you, you. I'll get up and get out of here, facts. Go on. You
5: heard
7: what the man said. Beat it. You hear about this? Yeah. Come on, Lovey Lou. It's all right, everyone. Just
5: a little accident. That is all. Regret? That was wonderful. Oh, it is
3: nothing, Lovey. Any time at all. Regret? I think you are in trouble. Me? Why? Marvin Clay is not the kind of a citizen who will take this laying down. Uh, then I
5: will see that he lays down. Huh. Meanwhile, I have a dance with Miss Lovey Lou. How about it, Lovey? I think that'll be just Lovey.
3: It will be just Lovey, she says. And it is. It seems regret falls for Miss Lovey Lou. And for the next week, he sees a great deal of it. In fact, he cannot miss, because she is in the floor show at the 300 Club. And one is able to see a great deal of all the dolls there. Anyway, it seems he forgets all about John Wangle and Nip and Thug for some days. Then, it comes up one morning, and I am again standing in front of Mindy's at about 4 a.m. when I see somebody coming toward wood, And who is it but a police inspector by
4: the name of McNamara? And he says to me... Ah, morning, Broadway. Good morning, Mac. What brings you out before the sun? Trouble, trouble, nothing but trouble. What is this particular trouble? Looking for a friend of yours. That gives you Trouble. In this case, yeah. Broadway, where's Regret?
3: Regret? Why, I I do not see him for almost a week. In fact, it is about a week. Sure? Sure. Well,
4: I guess you're telling the truth.
3: Is there uh, any particular reason you are out this early looking for Regret? Well,
4: yeah, I guess you could call it a particular reason. I see.
3: Like I say, I, I do not see
4: him. Yeah, like you say I uh, guess I got to tramp all over town to get him. Oh, he could be in any one of several hundred places. But uh, you do not yet tell me why you look for him. You know
3: Marvin Clay? I uh, hear of him, yeah, but I am not on speaking terms. Have a fight? No, I just do not know him well enough.
4: I see. How about regret? Regret? You remember regret. We just talked about him a couple of seconds ago. What about him? And Marvin Clay? Well, it seems that Regret and Clay had a few words about a week ago, and uh, from what I heard, Regret gave Clay five fingers in a knot. So, so about an hour ago, I got a call to see a man who was shot. Shot with a gun. It seems reasonable to draw that conclusion, seeing as how there were some holes in Mister Marvin Clay. Clay and, and and Regret. I got to ask Regret a few questions, and I. Ju- what is a steamboat doing up this far? Uh, those are dogs. Uh, Bloodhound. Holy cats. Look at the size of them.
6: <laughs> Morning, Broadway. Take it easy, Nip. Now, settle down, Tuck. Settle down. Get those horses off the sidewalk. Yeah, ball.
3: yeah, you, you better run along, Wangle. Uh, he
6: ain't here again, huh?
3: No, no, he is not here. But he will be later. Now, no, run along. Here, here, take this bob and buy something.
6: We sure miss regret.
3: Regret? Regret the horse player?
6: Best friend man or dog ever
3: had. Wait a minute. You know regret? Uh, just slightly, Inspector. The, the, the dogs have a, a slip in the quaint. Yes. Shut up, Broadway. Uh, you.
4: What's your name?
6: Wangle. Why?
4: These are bloodhounds, aren't they? Best man trackers in the whole world. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. Well, now now, run along, Wangle. I told you
4: to shut up. Uh, Wangle. These dogs know regret pretty well.
6: Why, well, I reckon Nip and Tuck could sniff out regret from all the people in the whole world.
4: Uh, and, uh, just suppose, uh, suppose regret had been someplace and had gone. Could these dogs track him down?
6: Mister, even if the trail's more than a day old, they can do it.
4: Okay, here's where I save some legwork. Come along. Where to? You want to find regret, right? Wangle, do not listen Shut to up. This. How about it,
6: Wangle? Mister? You could just show, nip, and tuck where regret was last, and they'll get to him in no time at all.
3: So, that is that. I figure regret is cooked. And what comes after is something that the main stem will never forget. And how it ends is quite a story, which I will tell you in a minute.
2: And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, The Bloodhounds of Broadway.
3: Well, there we go, off into the cold, gray morning. McNamara has it no other way than I go alone. I do not know why, but there I am at 4:15 a.m. tearing along behind Nip and Tuck, who are taken to the scene of the shooting. They sniff around, then both of them put out about a yard of tongue, dig in, and the next thing I know, we are a sight to behold indeed. Nip and Tuck are leading. Behind them is John Wangle holding the lead ropes. Then comes Inspector McNamara, and then me, followed by ten gendarmes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Wingo, slow
6: him down a little. Mister, when Nip and Tucker after somebody, they go like grease
4: lightning. Poor Regret. And after all he does for those flea circuses. Yeah, saves me plenty of legwork.
6: Wingo, sure those dogs are going in the right direction? Mister, they ain't never made no mistake in their whole life. If Mr. Regret went this way, they know it.
3: If it is all the same to you, Mac, I will get off hey, here. You're going along, bro. You're going to help me find
6: him. Hey, hey, they stop, mister. This is where Mr. Regret is. Why? There's nothing but an old garage. Can't have it, mister. Nip and Tuck know this is where he is. Uh, quiet him down. Sure, Nip, Tuck. Quiet now, quiet now. Easy now. Easy.
3: What is Regret doing in this old garage? What do you think?
4: Hiding out. Boys, spread out. Kelly, Rabinowitz, get around to the back. Burton, take three men cover the sides of this place. Rest of you back me up when I go in the front here.
3: Where do you want me, Mac?
4: Home. Keep off to one side. Regrets get a rod. Now careful, boys. You're going in after a desperate man. All right. Take off. Okay. Here we go, boys. Wolf, kick open that door. If it ain't open, shoot it open. All right, regret, get covered. Drop the gun. What am I? Stand where you are. Stand still, every last man of you. Well, 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 a crap game. Maybe you guys ain't read the law about it. But
3: but where is regret,
4: Mister Mister Nib and Tuck want to get going again. Mister Regret ain't here, but he was. Yeah. Okay, we'll go in a minute. First, I want to take down some names of certain citizens who are breaking the law by shooting craps. Line up. Line up and give your right names.
3: Well, McNamara makes this haul and we take off again with Nip and Tuck leading the way. They make stop after stop. By this time, there is quite a crowd following because it is by no means a usual thing to see a troop of gendarmes chasing after two bloodhounds who have got their bellies close to the paper. Every now and then, the dogs let loose with those loud wails, and the result is a lot of citizens hurt themselves leaping from windows and fire escapes, figuring somebody's after them. Then, Nip and Tuck make another stop, and the scene is as follows.
4: Look, Wangle, this is the 18th stop we've made. Where
6: is regret? I can't help it, mister. Every place Nip and Tuck stop,
3: regret was there. He is quite busy. So far, we break up three crap games, two poker parties, various and sundry other illegal enterprises, and etc. Wangle, these dogs are nothing but
4: stall pigeons.
6: I can't help it, mister Broadway. I go where Nip and Tuck go.
4: All right, Wangle. We'll try this joint. Wait a minute. This is no joint.
3: This is where Miss Maud Milligan lives. So? She is Big Sam's friend. And I wish no part of being any place that Big Sam might
4: be. We're going in. All right, boys. Once more. This may be it. Spread out.
3: Your gendarmes are becoming pretty tired, man. Oh, shut up. All right, Wolf.
4: Give the buzzer a punch.
7: Yeah, who is it?
4: Open up, Maud. Inspector McNamara.
5: Hey, what's the idea? Waking me up in the middle of the night. Open
4: up or we'll break the door in. Take that chain off. Get ready, boys? All right, Wangle, let him loose.
7: <laughs> ah, elephants! Wangle,
4: oh, Wangle,
6: quiet him down. Oh, get him down Talk, down now, down. Oh, Settle down, boys. Well, those low.
7: ain't no things to scare a girl with at five in the morning. You get him out of here. Where is he, Maud? You get him out... Huh?
4: Who? Quit stalling. I want regret.
9: You, are you kidding? <laughs> oh, I ain't heard
6: nothing like that in my whole life he's
4: looking at me. Listen, Maud. I want regrets. Yes, he ain't here either, mister. What? Listen, Wangle.
6: I can't help it. But they
5: want to get gone. Come on. Well, then you let them. And you, McNamara, I'm going to see my alderman, the mayor, and, and maybe the governor about this. No, You've got Maud. no right breaking in here and making a zoo out of my apartment. Look, I'm going to sue you. I'll have you thrown off the force. I'll see the newspaper boys oh, and tell them how you go around with... with... <sighs> Will somebody tell me what they are?
4: Bloodhounds, Maud.
5: Well, I ate Eliza, and I ain't never been an ice skater. Now, get out. All
4: right, all right, Maud, all right. Don't get sore. Just a mistake.
7: Well, don't you ever make another one like it.
3: Well, McNamara gets out. So do Nip and Tuck. By this time, McNamara is no dog lover, and I know he never will be. But he gives Wangle one more chance to find regret or get thrown in the tank for obstructing justice. So, off we go again. And we end up at the Club 300. And this time, it is the end of the trail. Because sitting over the table with Miss Lovey Lou is nobody but regret. Nip and Tuck take one look, and before anybody knows what happens, they are across the floor and practically in his lap, licking his face. <laughs> Mac is right after them. There
10: he is, Bars. Get him.
3: Hey,
9: hey, what is going on? Oh, look! The
8: Hey, Wango, call him off! Get him away from me! And
3: all this comes from being kind to animals. No, Wango, get
8: him away from me!
10: Get him no. away! I'm not alive for the shooting of Arvin Klein! No! Wango, no. do something! I can't see regret the McKenzie No! Don't let them take him, Broadway! If you
3: are able to think of how I can stop 11 coppers, I'm do animal. so now or forever hold your peace. No,
9: it's all my fault! It's all my fault.
8: Maybe
3: so, but it is too late to think about it now.
8: You you don't understand, Broadway. Regret didn't shoot Marvin
7: Clay. I did.
3: Oh, shoot. Huh? Listen, come over away from this real fast. Come on. Now, what is this you say?
7: It's true. It's true. He's a heel. Maybe
3: so, but there is a law against shooting even heels. What'll they do to regret? Does regret know you shoot Clay?
6: What'll they do to regret? What do you think? Broadway,
8: it was an accident. I swear it was an accident. I found out he was going out with my baby
3: sister. I never know you have one. I
8: do. I went to see Marvin Cray. He laughed. He took a gun out of a drawer and said I had to get out. And I got mad. I, I slapped him and in the fight.
7: The gun went off.
3: Yeah, I see. But what about regret?
7: Well, well, I'll tell him what really
3: happened. Then you better hurry up before one of two things happens. Either he is taken to the pokey or he is swallowed by those dogs. <laughs> few minutes later, they untangle regret from nip and tongue. By this time, he is pretty done in, but Wangle says the dogs are this player. Now, this is not the end of the story. In fact, there is quite a bit more, and I will tell you the payoff in just a minute. <laughs> I say, regret is untangled from the door. McNamara arrests him, but uh, Miss Lovey Lou comes forward with her story. The upshot is the whole bunch are taken to headquarters, including me. Of course, I am released because I am just an innocent bystander. Well, it is two days after all this that I am sitting in Mindy's, when in comes regret, all dressed up, and he has two suitcases with him. He sits down and says... Hello, Broadway. Regret, I am glad to see you. Uh, Yeah.
5: I, uh, I am leaving town, Broadway. I see you are carrying suitcases.
3: And it seems to me you look more than somewhat nervous. Uh-huh.
5: I, uh, I'm just killing time before I leave. Hmm.
3: Uh, How does the whole thing turn out, Regret? Oh, all right. Yeah, I hear that Marvin Clay is not dead. Also that he does not prosecute Miss Lovey Lou. Uh,
5: Yeah, that is correct. Because he does not want unfavorable publicity. Sure, sure. Uh, by the way, uh, what becomes of Wangle and, and Nip and Tuck? Oh, they are ingrates. But they are sent back to Georgia. It seems some of the boys take up a collection which sets them up for life. Because they are very dangerous to have around here. They get plenty of people in trouble the night they look for me.
3: Yeah, they do. I can see why uh, certain citizens would rather take chances with the gendarmes than with nip and tuck. Uh, Exactly. So, I am leaving town for a while. Uh Oh, you and Miss Lovey Lou are going on a honeymoon? Uh Uh-uh. I am
5: through with Miss Lovey
3: Lou. What? But she saves you from trouble. You know she does not have to say anything. You are the logical suspect for the gendarmes to collar, And it would be tough for you. I know.
5: But I do not like to be married to any doll who handles a rascal. Even by accident. Think what would happen. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, but then, why are you leaving town? Broadway, what is the last stop Nip and Tuck make before they find me? Eh,
3: uh, Crap King, the poker...
5: Oh, oh, Mort Milligan's place. Uh-huh. Well, Big Sam is out of town at the time. But I hear he is coming back. Now, I am going to leave town for a while because maybe if he hears about Nip and Tuck going to Maud's place, Big Sam might get the wrong idea. Goodbye, Broadway.
2: And so ends the famous Damon Runyon story, The Bloodhounds of Broadway. Listen in again next week for... The Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater with John Brown as Broadway is directed by Richard Sandville and the story is adapted for radio by Russell Hughes. Vern Karstensen is in charge of production. This is a Mayfair production. <laughs>
1: Stay tuned for The Red Skelton Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Red Skelton Show as he plays Junior, the mean little kid, on Theater of the Mind. <laughs>
10: Jim Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing stars, The Four Knights Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGinn, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. <laughs> the star of
8: our show, Red Skelton! Thank you very much and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, by the way, Rod, how was your trip to St. Louis with Art Lake Letter
10: last week? Oh, it was wonderful. Yes, well, mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> Don't you get tired flying around the country all the time? Oh, no, those DC-6s and Constellations are wonderful. Yeah, but you got to lose weight. What do you mean? <laughs>
8: One of the stewardesses told me that they strapped you in your berth during the night you turned over in your
11: sleep, and they flew 90 miles upside down.
9: <laughs> <laughs>
8: uh, what's written here and pick up the next
10: one. I'm not that fat. Uh, hey, I'm sorry you couldn't come to our house warming, Rod. Well, I'm sorry, too, Red, yeah, but I'm... I'm glad that you and your wife, Georgia, finally settled and you're in the house. How do yeah. you like it? Oh, fine. We just stand around and look at it all the time. <laughs> I mean, you stand around because you're so thrilled with it? No, after paying for the house, we haven't
8: got any money left to buy any furniture. Well, what kind of house is it? It's a Spanish house. Stucco? I certainly want. <laughs> it well, it was a pretty good bargain, though. $10,000 home for only $30,000 down. Who owned it before you? Some used car dealer, I <laughs> It's nice, though. It's got a sunken a sunken living room. They told me after I sprained my ankle.
10: Well, it must be old, you know, those sunken living rooms are old-fashioned. I
8: know, but earthquakes are still the vogue in California. <laughs>
10: earthquakes. Uh, How sure. many rooms does it
8: have? Uh, one thing about us, when they're lousy, they're good and lousy. <laughs>
10: Does it have? How many
8: rooms? Well, let's see. It's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Th- counting the uh, closets? No. Well, oh, five rooms. How many baths do you have? I have one every morning. Why? <laughs> hey, here, here, here's a picture of the house. a picture of the house. Yeah. Of course, it'll look better when I chop those
6: weeds
10: down. Well, if I were you, I'd leave the weeds and chop the house down. <clears throat> well, it ain't that bad. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Say, uh, you do have a nice view of the mountains, though. Oh, well, those aren't
8: mountains. You see, I started a rock garden and it got away from me. <laughs> hey, here's a picture of the kitchen. Here's the picture of the kitchen.
10: Well, look at that sink. It's right down on the floor. Yeah, it is kind of low. Must be a strain to wash the dishes. Doesn't your wife complain?
8: Only when I ask her to massage my back after I finish the dishes.
10: <laughs> what kind of furniture do you have? Is it Swedish modern, period, or early American? American surplus.
9: <laughs> Army surplus. <laughs> <laughs>
8: Yeah, we use a life raft for a mattress, old spam
11: cans for flower pots, Mm -hmm. combat boots for bedroom slippers. and You should see the deep freeze. It's a Sherman tank with a lieutenant in it.
10: (laughs) Why a lieutenant? Uh Huh? Why a lieutenant? They're the coldest things I ever met. (laughs) Well, you know, it'll be a nice house when you get it all fixed up, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. No, not with
8: Georgia around. She's an artist. No, Mm -hmm. last week she papered the hall with rolls of piano music. How does it look? Well, it looks all right, but every time you sneeze, the walls play holiday for strings.
7: <laughs> Tides in, yeah. dirt's out, tide gets closed, cleaner than any soap.
10: Any soap?
7: Yes, any soap.
10: Hold on there, gal.
11: you talking about the product I love. <laughs> And saying it's the best soap for just getting
8: things clean is only telling half the yarn. Well. Even out the commercial.
10: <laughs> you didn't let her finish, did I? She was going to say Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap and cleaner than any other suds. Mm-hmm. Any other washing product known. Procter & Gamble's Tide does a thorough top-to-bottom job on your family wash. Tide not only leaves all your clothes free from dirt, it removes dingy soap film, too. Yet with all this amazing cleaning power, Tide is safe. Truly safe for all your washable colors. In fact, Tide actually brightens gay stripes and checks. Really freshens up those soap dull colors. And here's how Tide treats white shirts, table linens, and sheets. In hardest water, Tide gets them whiter than any other washing product known. Tide keeps them white, too. Week after week. Never turns them yellow. Make your next wash a Tide wash. For only a Tide wash is all these wonderful things. The cleanest, the brightest, the whitest wash you ever hung on the line.
8: <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, the Four Knights will sing Casey Jones. Sing it like you do at the cricket club, boy.
11: Call you round up. Now if you want to hear the story of a brave engineer mm-hmm. fellow who never knew the meaning of fear mm-hmm. Casey Jones was the roundest name On a 6'8 wheeler, boy, he won his fame mm-hmm. The caller called Casey at half past four mm-hmm. Kissed his wife at the station door Then he mounted to the cabin with his orders in his hand And he took his family trip to the promised land L. Casey Jones Mounted to the cabin Well, Casey Jones. With his orders in his hand, Casey Jones mounted to the cabin. Oh, well, he took a farewell trip into the promised Now put in your water shovel in your coat. Stick your head out to him to watch them drivers road. I'll run until she leaves the rail. Cause I'm eight hours late with the Western mail. Looked at his watch and watch was slow. Looked at the water, the water was low. Then he turned to the fireman and he said, Hey, we're going to reach Frisco, but we all will be dead. Then Casey around mm-hmm. up, that Reno mm-hmm. Hill. And he took it for the process, mm-hmm. and we'll be all the trail. Which one knew by the engines moan mm-hmm. that the man mm-hmm. at the throttle was Casey Jones. He pulled up within two miles of the place. And old number four standing right in the face. He turned to the fireman and said, boy, you better jump cause there's two locomotives. And they're going to bump. Hey, look at Casey. Do the locomotive, Casey, look up, boy! You better jump, Casey Jones. Jones. He never left the cabin on his farewell trip to the Promised.
6: You thought it was going to be something good,
8: didn't you? (laughs) Me back again. This is a story about two people who impress only themselves when they try to impress other people.
0: Good morning,
7: Willie. Look,
8: you trying to start her now, I can... What wake me up for?
7: It's time for you to go to work.
8: You mean you work and walk me up just to tell me that?
7: If you don't hurry up, you'll be late for work. Remember, you've got three mouths to feed. Now,
8: yeah, when did I grow two more mouths? I was
7: referred Myself and the other responsibility we acquired a year or
8: two after we were married. Oh yeah, well you tell your mother I'm tired of supporting her. (laughs) Tell her to get out. Tell her to pack her racing form (laughs) and (laughs) go. i I like that. Tell her to pack her racing form and (laughs) go. Why do I have to go to work, anyway?
7: Well, if you work now, you can retire and take it easy when you're 60. Well,
8: what if I take it easy now?
7: You'll still have to work when you're 60. Well,
8: maybe I'll be lucky and won't live to 60.
7: <laughs>
8: Answer that one, wise girl.
7: Oh, Willie, you provoke me.
8: Yeah, you provoke me, too. Tell her to pack her a race foreman.
7: <laughs> Here's your orange juice.
11: Now, could I have the glass, please? <laughs>
7: it at you, but you get me so mad. Uh, now, will you please get out of bed? Yeah, I, uh,
8: I can't budge.
9: <laughs> I started
7: to say
8: bulge.
9: <laughs> I
8: can't budge. I got so many covers on me last night. They got me pinned down this morning.
7: The covers aren't holding you down. You're sleeping under the mattress. <laughs>
8: oh, yeah, I remember. Now, I wanted my pants... They have a nice crease in them, so I put them under the mattress and I was too tired to take them off.
7: Oh, get dressed and I'll make some breakfast.
8: Yeah, let's not have biscuits again.
7: We didn't have biscuits last week. That's
8: what I mean. Let's not have them again this week. Here's
7: some
9: clean
8: socks. Yeah, I am glad you gave me some clean. Those others were hitchhiking around the room last
9: night.
7: Willie, will you be home early tonight? I'll
8: be home 20 minutes after.
7: 20 minutes after what?
8: After they throw me out of Joe's place. <laughs> that reminds me, I'm thirsty.
7: Oh, I'll get you some water.
8: I said thirsty, not dirty. <laughs> a
9: glass of water
8: won't hurt you. Oh, it won't. Uh, did you ever see the inside of a water pipe?
7: <laughs> and did you ever see the inside of a fermented keg?
8: Uh, Well, I'd rather be moldy than rusty. (laughs) Why do you want me to come home early tonight? Because
7: we're invited out to a party. Uh,
8: good, (laughs) good. Anybody we know?
7: Yeah. Why do you ask?
8: Well, the people that know us don't usually invite us back the second time. <laughs> Who is it? The Norm Thalens? Those natural sports? Huh?
7: Oh, and by the way, Willie, the party is formal. <laughs>
8: yeah? Well, in that case, you better sew some tails on my sweatshirt. On <laughs> <laughs> well, second uh, uh, thought, I, I will wear my Mickey Mouse sweatshirt, and then you won't have to bother sewing on the tail.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Willie, I need Sorry, little... I thought of that. <laughs>
8: I need a new dress. A new dress? Well, may I ask, what's wrong with the last dress I bought you? It's out of style. What do you mean it's out of style already? You just got it for Dewey's speech, and as I recall, the Admiral complimented you on it. Not this Dewey, the one that took Manila's. (laughs) and look in the audience and I saw somebody explaining it in terms
7: Oh, Willie. I spend less on an evening dress than you spend in a week at Joe's place. Yeah, no, but what
8: I spend it on keeps me warm, boy.
7: Well, I guess we'll just have to cancel the date. Yeah. I won't wear my old dress. Makes me look a fright.
8: Well, as long as it's an improvement what do you care? <laughs>
7: Make a good impression. Good. You do, don't you? Don't maybe you don't. <laughs> maybe you'd rather I wear my old rag or go out in a gunny sack.
8: Well, you knew a gunny sack would look good. <laughs> It'll match that potato head of yours.
7: <laughs>
8: Besides, my bank account is getting pretty low.
7: Have your checks been bouncing?
8: Bouncing. I got news for you. Did you know that last month when the bank returned my checks? The mailman dribbled them to the door <laughs> Oh, must you yell, really?
7: Willie? Right. Do you want all of the neighbors to hear you? I
8: don't care I don't have to impress the neighbors I don't have to impress anybody
7: You said that twice Said what? You don't have to impress people
8: I just said that
7: <laughs>
8: You and your big mouth You're the p-
7: What did you say? I said I don't have to
8: impress people That's
7: <laughs> You're right, Willie you don't have to impress
8: a people. one dead-end street huh? here.
7: And I noticed that last night at our party you tried to impress your boss with one of your fancy mixtures.
8: Well, what do you mean by that? What was wrong with being neighborly?
7: Well, I suppose you know your boss is in the hospital.
8: No. What
9: happened?
7: Well, you fixed him one of your Willy Lump Lump specials. Then he opened the window on the second floor and said, Well, I think I'll fly around the block. <laughs>
9: Yeah, I
8: remember that now. Oh, you do. Yeah. Why didn't you stop him? I thought he could make
6: it. (laughs) And now David Rose and the Foctor and Gamble
8: Orchestra will play Liza. And this week, Dave will be in New Orleans at the Roosevelt Hotel.
10: but there's not a lady listening who hasn't felt that dishwashing could use a miracle. And I'm here to say that Tide is that miracle. Procter & Gamble's Tide washes dishes cleaner than any soap in the world. Tide cuts grease better than any soap, too. Cuts it right out of the picture. So there's no scum in the dishwater. No greasy ring round the pan. And when your dishes and glasses rinse and dry, they're really clear and sparkling. Because with Tide, there's no cloudy film to dim their brightness. Those Tide suds are in the miracle class too. In even the hardest water, they billow up instantly. Oceans of them. In hardest water too, those tide suds last and last. And all the while, they're so kind to your hands. Sure it's a miracle. Sure you'd better try it. Tide for dishes.
2: A page from the Mean Little Kid's Diary.
8: Have you ever noticed how children are constantly being called stupid because they pick up a knife or a box of matches that mom and pop have left lying around? Well, let's see what happens when things like that are within reach of Junior, the Mean Little Kid. You answer me. I thought I'd wait till I'm 21 and I'll be too old for a spanking. (laughs) Now, whatever gave you the idea, I was going to spank you. Junior, what are you doing with my good blanket? Well, I'm pretending i was on a camping trip, see, and this is me tent. This is me tent. And this is the flap where I go in. Oh, (laughs) I'll flap you, young man, my good blanket. Oh, you, how can you stand the smell of all those mothballs? Mothballs? Is that what them little things are? I thought they were skunking. Come on, climb in the tent with me. Get in out of the rain. Come on, get in out of of the rain. I wish I had your imagination, dear. But I just can't pretend it's raining in my own living room. Yeah, well, it'll be easier for you when the tub upstairs starts to run over. (laughs) Oh, Junior, you're kidding me. You keep laughing, kiddo, that's all. But in the meantime, while you're doing it, you better put on some water wings, I'm telling you. Junior, Mm -hmm. you deserve a good whipping. You mean right now? Well, why not right now? Well, I thought you'd like to check over all the stuff I got here in my tent, and you may be able to kill two hairbrushes with one junior. (laughs) That's an excellent idea. Wait, what's that pile of wood for? That's for me campfire if it gets cold. Junior, you wouldn't build a campfire in the living room. What are you thinking of? Toasted marshmallows.
9: <laughs> Junior,
8: do you have any matches? No, I thought I'd rub two of uh, those bottles that Grandpa has together. They seem to light him up, you know. <laughs> Junior, well, at least you're not playing with matches. No. You know better than that. Don't you? Yeah, yeah Because they don't do Half a good job As this blowtorch
9: does oh, yeah, no, give, give
8: me that I blowtorch Somebody with a Siloids leg or hot foot With that thing. Junior hmm? Give me that blowtorch I think I'd better Take a look And see what else You have in your tent Well, now, don't mess With me <gasps> Oh, a can of Inflammable cleaning fluid A hatchet Ant paste Ice pick Oh, my meat cleaver. Junior, what on earth are you thinking of? I'm thinking of getting out of here while I steal all in one piece. <laughs> Don't you realize that these things are dangerous? Oh? You mustn't play with sharp objects. Why? Why you might cut yourself, and band-aids are expensive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, nosy, while you're out snooping around, maybe you would like to see the rest of me buried treasure, too. Yes, I would. Where yes. are your buried treasures? Over there. you yes. see the part of the rug that's been cut in a square there? Oh, no. Oh, you didn't cut a square in the rug. No, 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 no. Only uh-huh. on three sides, so it would open like a trap door. <laughs> like good hooked rug. Well, it all looks like you're going to have to hook another one. There. <laughs> I've got a good mind to tan it you. It won't do you any good. I'm not the type to tend. I just turned red.
9: Let's see what you buried
8: under there. Here, only this thing. Here. Your father shot Put, Put it down! down! But don't yell. Yeah, you
9: scared
8: me, too. <laughs> don't get so excited. I looked down the barrel. It ain't loaded. If I, anything came out, I could see it before it got out. Anyway. Put that gun down. It ain't loaded. Look, I pulled the trigger and show you. No! <laughs> <laughs> Are you all right, child? Oh, the backfire knocked you clean across the room. Oh, you're a good boy not to cry. I didn't know I could cry. I thought I was dead.
9: <laughs> I, wonder,
8: I wonder if that shot did any damage to the house. We'll see when the smoke clears away. Oh, look, Nemo, now I got a cave to play in the wall's
9: gone.
7: Wonderful. <laughs> Shot. That's no way to punish Junior. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Oh,
8: Nemo and I had a little riff and she beat me to the draw. Now don't
7: listen.
8: <laughs> don't you listen to him. That stupid husband of yours left his gun where Junior could get a hold of it.
7: Junior, come here to meet no, me. No, no, don't. Please, no. I didn't know
8: you would notice. Uh,
7: Junior, don't you realize that you might have been injured? Yes, I might
8: have been injured.
7: Are you all right? <laughs>
8: yes, I'm all right.
7: <laughs>
9: Now,
8: maybe this will teach you to leave that... No, oh, 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 oh. oh, oh, oh. mummies are so unpredictable, you know. You hit me, you hit me. It's your fault you should get your whipping for being too careless. You grown up, leave things around, but we don't kid you. We don't
9: know
8: any difference. Never mind the next. I don't know,
7: I don't know.
8: Now, get yourself up to your room. No, i am go next door and play with Phil Harris.
7: Oh, mother... I hate to spank him so much. I do, too. It's getting so lately, I see the back of him more than his face. (laughs) In this case, the child is right. It's our fault for leaving things within his reach. Oh, just wait until his father comes home. Am I going to let him have it for leaving that gun loaded? Oh, why did I marry him anyway? Well, you're just like your father. You'd marry anything.
9: (laughs)
8: Yeah. What is it? I got me finger cut in the mouth, Travis. Well, what did you your finger in it for? Well, I figured you would send me to bed without me supper, so I figured a little piece of cheese would be better than nothing at all. <laughs> I think you'd better come back to my room, Junior, where I can keep an eye on you.
7: Mother, do you think juvenile jury could help us solve him? No, dear. They only solve natural problems. <laughs> Not supernatural. Junior, go to my room. Okay,
8: okay. I wish a little Harris was sobered so I could play with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, here I am, darling. No, now, I wonder if there's any candy around here. I could nab before the dictators come upstairs. Here. Let's see. Nope, oh, nothing in that drawer. Boy, it's as empty as a bar without a television set.
9: <laughs>
8: What's this little box here on the bedstand? Jelly beans, red jelly beans. Mummy calls them sleepy pills, but that's only because she knows how I hate to sleep. But ooh, I love jelly beans. I just eat three or four of them. <clears throat> Boy, they bitter. Woo! Woo! I better get a drink of water to get that taste out of my mouth. you. Right. Let's see now if I can reach that glass up there I stand on me tippy toes Maybe I can reach it Nope, nope, nope I could have made it if Namo hadn't a trimmed me toenails <laughs> I jump for it, I jump for it Oops, broke the glass Well, I, I got to remember to tell Mommy about the broken glass She might cut her feet when she takes a bath I just crawl in the bathtub and get a drink from the picket Boy, there's nothing like crawling into a bathtub Especially when there's no water in it, you know Yes, yeah, go. Oh, oh yeah, mommy, mommy, no,
7: no, 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 oh. Julia, oh, 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 oh. what on earth? What are you doing in that bathtub? I
8: turned the shower on by mistake and tricked myself into taking a bath. Well, <laughs> well, get out of the
7: bathtub. And be careful, you might slip, hit your head, and crack the enamel. Yeah.
8: <laughs> hey, mommy, can I take a nap? I've been You actually
7: asked to take a nap? Yeah.
8: Tell me, are you running a temperature? Uh, no, I just feel safe. You think the Sandman made an early delivery today? look what's on the floor. Oh! oh my sleeping pills! Junior, did you eat any of these
7: pills? Ooh. He
8: did. He did.
7: <laughs> oh, open your Open your eyes, Junior, and talk to me.
8: My eyes is open. I just got long lids all with.
7: <laughs> Junior, answer me. Did you eat
8: any of those sleeping pills? Well, I ate them things in the box. Why didn't you tell me they were Halloween tricks?
7: Jellybean. beans Oh, you poor little darling Oh, what shall I do? <laughs> Don't let him go to sleep Don't... The emergency squad is on the way Keep him talking Talk to Mommy, darling yes. Say something Anything
8: Who won the fourth at Hollywood Park?
7: <laughs> Can you hear me?
8: Can you hear me, baby? No, but you sound like you're talking no. Oh, Mother
7: Oh, it's all my fault for being so careless Oh, me Dummy's growling Miss growling Stop leaving things around that are dangerous <laughs> Come in
11: Bring the stomach pump, boys.
7: Here he is,
6: Doctor. Get to work on him, boys. Okay, Doctor. Oh, you've
7: got to save him, Doctor. Well, we'll do all we can. It's all my fault. It's all my fault. Well, getting
6: hysterical isn't going (laughs) to help.
7: he'll be okay now, Doctor. Thank heavens. Stop crying, Lovine.
6: Let her alone. Maybe the scare will make her realize that death is sometimes caused by careless parents. Last week alone, we had 32 accidents that should have been called deliberate. And all because of the carelessness of the parents who leave dangerous objects within the reach of children. Oh. I feel faint.
8: I think I'll go lie down.
10: It's okay now,
8: Doc. Oh, mommy. Mommy. Yes, dear? Now that you saved me life, you better tell them or not to lay down on your bed.
9: What? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and it's an
8: imaginary hunting trip. Lurie, look what was in my bed. Two
9: bear traps. <laughs>
10: Thanks for being with us tonight, and we hope you liked our program well enough to be with us
8: next
6: week. So until next Friday... This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now, and thanks for listening, and thanks for buying more and more of that Wash Day Miracle Tide.
10: Dr. and Gamble invites you to join us again with Red Skelton next Friday, and now stay tuned to The Life of Riley, which follows immediately. Red Skelton is heard in this program through the courtesy of metro goldwyn Mayor. Don't forget
8: your community chest.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's a new show, Candy Matson, Female Detective, followed by Suspense. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.